Hey there, everyone. This is Chris Manning, your host of Lockdown Cavaliers, and this, as always, is your daily look at LeBron James and the rest of the always interesting Cleveland Cavaliers. This is your episode for Wednesday, April 11th, ahead of the Cavs' regular season finale against the Knicks. That's at 8 p.m. at Wiggum Lens Arena. I'll be there covering the game, getting live reaction to the end of the regular season, fan appreciation at LeBron's 82nd game. All of that. We'll see if Rodney Hood plays as well. A few notes going into Wednesday's game. The Sixers did win Tuesday. They beat the Hawks for their 15th straight win, so they still have the inside track on the number three seed ahead of the Cavs. If they beat the Bucks on Wednesday, that will mean the Cavs will beat number four, which is where they are right now. And if they if they if the Cavs win and the Sixers lose, the Cavs will go up to number three because they won at the Central Division. The bottom of the East is still a mess, so if the Cavs do get the three, we will not really know who they're going to play until on Wednesday at the end of the night. And the Cavs are in a position where they are not going to tell us exactly any updates on who's going to play or who might be available until right before tip. There's no shoot around on, on Wednesday morning. So any updates from Ty Lue on Rodney Hood, on Kendrick Perkins, if we hear from Kendrick Perkins at all, that's not going to happen until later on in the day on Wednesday, probably around 6.15 if Lou does his press conference on time. So that is what you need to look forward to on Wednesday. A whole lot's about to get clear, and then we're going to get to start the playoffs either on Saturday or Sunday in Cleveland. Should be a fun night. Today's show is part two of my conversation with ESPN Cleveland's Jordan Zerm. We talked about what's going on with the seating, what is going on with Rodney Hood, what is going on with what could the Cavs could be facing, and everything that is upcoming for this team in the playoffs. We did record it on Sunday, so things could be slightly different from when we talked, but I think because of how the Sixers have played and how things have held true, it's all basically applicable. But find him on Twitter at Cleve Zerm. Find me on Twitter at Rights. This is all about what's coming up next for the Cavs and all the challenges they're going to face between now and whenever their season does end. But here's today's show. Back tomorrow with a recap of the regular season finale and a reaction to the playoffs with a whole bunch more playoff content coming here and at furthersword.com this week and up until when the season ends. But here's today's show. Jordan Zerm, East Bay Cleveland, and me talking about the gauntlet the Cavs could face come the playoffs. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As of right now, are not in control of their own destiny with the with the 76ers on their way or having already beat the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday. I'm going to look this up to, to tell you accurately, but they having lost to Philly on Friday and then having the, with the way things had worked out previously, the Sixers uh, beat the Mavericks on Sunday, 109 to 97. They are not in control of their destiny for the three seed. So unless Philly loses one of their games this week and they have uh, two more games left with the Cavs having two as well. 
Um, they, they, the Cavs base are going to be the four seed unless Philly loses and the Cavs win out. So basically, with this, with Philly playing um, bad teams this uh, this week, with them playing the, the tanking Hawks on Tuesday and then the Bucks on Wednesday, the Cavs really have to hope that they lose to the to the Bucks on on Wednesday. I would say for them to have a chance as a three seed. Basically, if the Cavs are the four seed, they're going to get the Pacers, which is like last year, but in very different circumstances. It's a very different Pacers team that has remade itself and has sent us up on Victor Oladipo and Sabonis and Miles Turner and no Paul George. Jordan, do you care or do you think it matters that the Cavs are going to probably be the four seed at this point? And it's so much is up in the air. We'll have Wednesday, again, we'll say a lot about this. Maybe the Hawks do something crazy and win that game. and may, Or maybe the Cavs just lose to the Knicks because it'd be a very Cavs thing to do. But do you care if they're the three or the four seed? Like, does that change where you think this team is going as you start to prognosticate the playoffs a little bit? So I think, like, overall, no. I don't think it matters. Um, you know, if they are the four seed, that means that they probably, you know, they'll probably play the Raptors in the second round, which I, I guess is not ideal, but, like, we've kind of already seen <laughs> over this past month in those two matchups with the Raptors. I just cannot get... Um, I, there is no fear inside of me uh, with the Raptors. Like, there just isn't, and there's nothing, even though they're such a better team this year and they're playing in a different way and they take more threes and all of the, all, all the narratives that you've heard about the Raptors this year, and they've got a great bench. Like they just do not seem to match up well against the Cavs. Um, and so that does not worry me. So I, I guess I don't care. I, I just will say though, that like the Pacers who, who are not getting a ton of pub, I think there was actually an article on the ringer this past week about how, um, how little attention the Pacers are getting for how above expectations they've performed this season. Um, like Victor Oladipo is great. Um, and I think him and Sabonis are really good. And obviously you've got Miles Turner and um, Thaddeus Young is having like a weirdly good season. And um, like, I would, I would much rather go into that first round as the three seed playing um the heat or, or the bucks or whoever ends up in that, in that six seed, um, you know, for all the talk of the Cavs don't play well in Miami, it's like, come on, you know, in the playoffs, it's, it's the, it's still the Miami heat. Like they're not, you know, that series to me is not going to be a remotely tough one for the Cavs. So I think what I would say is no, like overall, I don't think it's, and I don't think it's going to matter. I think they're, I, I do think the Cavs are going to get back to to the Eastern Conference Finals and the Finals either way. Um, but I will say that the Pacers would give me a little bit of worry. Um, the Cavs have struggled against them this year, especially in Indiana. Um, playing against them, they've had some really tough games against them. Um, and when you have somebody like Ol Oladipo who can kind of, you know, he's a guy that can create his own shot and he's a guy down the stretch that can get buckets and We've seen that. He had a huge three against the Cavs. Um, this was a few months ago now, but um, in that game in Indiana, uh, close game, and Oladipo you know, hit Kevin Love with a little step-back crossover and then hit a three in his face off of a switch. And um, I mean, he's really good. And so when you have a guy like that, not to say that Oladipo is you know, like a LeBron end of the game, I can get a shot whenever I want type of guy, but um, a, a good score um, on a, on a pretty good team, like a team that I think is fairly underrated this season. Um, I would just much rather have the Cavs face Miami or Milwaukee 
or you know the, the wizards may spiral off the, the 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 edge of the earth but you know whoever ends up in that six seed like none of those teams Miami Milwaukee or Washington gives me anywhere near the light anxiety that that Indiana gives me but I think overall no I don't I I don't think it's going to end up mattering whether they get the the three or the four seed I would this is what I would add I would say Milwaukee's a series I've kind of wanted to see from an evaluation perspective because I think with even if they're that's kind of a, a team that is very frustrating and has all these issues I want to see how they would deal with Giannis I want to see how they would deal with having to use Jeff Green guarding guys like Middleton guys like Jabari uh, just to kind of see how they would handle that type of setup. And I think they win that series pretty easily, but I think we get an idea, a better idea than we will against Indiana or, or Miami or anyone like that, to just see how they would kind of use Jeff Green against a team with that type of athlete. The one concern I have with them as the four seed, and it's not it's not one that I think really will matter, but I think pretty clearly, I think they'd beat the Pacers. I think Toronto, as much as we can look at those last couple games and say that they just played, that the Cavs should be favorites in that series and and probably win the series, I think that's going to be a tough series. Um, I I think Toronto's been very good, and I think they have to prove something, but that's a team that's going to win almost 60 games this year and and, and has been the best team in the East. I think that's a... a, Maybe it goes five games because LeBron just murders them, but I I think that's a tough second-round series. It feels very likely that if they're four and they're on the opposite side of Philly... Because, because of Boston being down Kyrie, down Hayward for months, um, being very dinged up, basically relying on, on Al Horford and Stevens and, and their defense to get them there, it seems sort of likely that Philly might make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Which is crazy. Which is absolutely crazy. And, you know, a lot of this <laughs> depends on, like, Embiid being healthy. But yeah. um, I, I think the, the if the Cavs are ha- – I don't think they have, like, a great shot at winning the title this year. I, I think Houston and, and Golden State's going to be fine, and Houston's incredible. For the Cavs to have a shot, I think they have to have the situation where they get to the finals and they're just in very they're very healthy, and they're yep. not beat up. And I think the path that they could begin with Indiana, then Toronto, and then f- possibly Philly at the end, is just a brutal three team gauntlet to go through. And it's not, you know, maybe not as tough as what some of the teams in the West would have to go through or anything like that. But for a team that it has to figure itself out, and and has to stay healthy at the same time. That stuff. Maybe this will just reveal the best version of this team, or at least the true version of this team, and maybe that's enough. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they would respond to having to play a good Indiana team. Um, that you know, maybe they they play this weird way, but maybe you know, maybe and they're not super threatening. But there's some light anxiety, as you said. Maybe they Toronto in round two. Those are probably going to be competitive games at the very least. And you have Philly, who is this this team of the future in a lot of ways, with with Simmons and Embiid and. And problem, and they're just more athletic than the Cavs. Um, I that's a that's a very interesting and I think tough run for the Cavs if if that's how it ends up shaking out. Yeah, that's a really good point. So here, I'll, I'll comment on that, and I want to ask you something, Chris. So, what's interesting to me about this playoff run is going to be the Cavs have sort of waltzed through the East these past three years. Um, I'm trying to think, have they swept every first-round series since LeBron has came back? They swept the Pacers last year. They swept the Pistons two years before that. I, I'm blanking on who they played in the first round the first year LeBron was back. Do you remember? I'm Googling this right now. Um, but okay. I want to say... I, I would be curious, because they probably swept whoever they played. I believe... 
this this just tells you how much has happened. It's just I like know. it's, it's just hard. Like, I can't okay, even remember. This, that, okay, that. I don't know how I even forgot this series. This was the Cavs Boston series oh, where that's right. uh, with Kevin, Ke- with yeah. Kevin hurts his shoulder. Uh, Kendrick Perkins is a goon, and J.R. Smith hits Jay Crowder in the face. <laughs> oh my! That all God. happened How- in the span of four games, and that was and that led into the Chicago series. Where they were down. You had the yes. timeout, uh, the out of timeout play gate, which we which works back to talking about Blatt again and everything that went on there. And then they they swept wow. they swept the, the sixty win Hawks. That is, dude. That is that is wild. So so they did. So they've swept every first because they swept the Celtics that series. Kevin got hurt in like the last few minutes of that like last game. Oh God, the worst. Um, so they've swept every first round series since LeBron has come back. And outside of that Chicago series where that, if LeBron doesn't hit that shot, um, that series is a little dicey. They just really haven't had to work that hard. I mean, I know they dropped two to the Raptors in 2016 on their way to the championship. LeBron um, did not care. And because LeBron no, did it, not care, it, like the team yep. was just like, whatever, we don't care. That was the they most. Blew, they, yeah. they blew them out in the first two games at home. And then Toronto sort of you know, got them in Toronto. And then it was just like, okay, we're, let's just end this. So they just have not. And then last year, obviously the Eastern conference finals, they're, they're beating Boston by 40 points. So like they just have not had to really sweat that much at all through any of these past three seasons. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. One, because I don't think the Cavs are as good. Obviously they don't have Kyrie Irving anymore. I don't think the Cavs are as good. Um, Maybe LeBron is playing better, but I don't think the Cavs as a team are as good. So first round, maybe. So let's say the Cavs are the four seed. They end up playing Indiana in the first round. I'll give Indiana a game in that one. I think it would be 4-1, but I'll give Indiana a game. So that's not going to be a sweep. But then second round, if they play Toronto, um, yeah, I don't know what that. I, I would pick the Cavs to win, but six games. I think, you know, would not be a, I think the Raptors could get two again, maybe three if something went horribly wrong for the Cavs, who knows. So by the time they had to face, let's say, Philly in the finals, you know, I think those two first series are going to be harder than anything they've had in the past. And then if Embiid is back and Philly is in the Eastern Conference Finals, that's a tough, that's a really tough series. So the Cavs are going to get to, if the Cavs do get to the finals, they're going to have gone through, um, like you said, like a kind of a gauntlet. And that's not something they've had to deal with before. And so I'll be really, really curious to see how they respond. And like you said, maybe it'll bring out the best in them because they'll have to play in some close games and they'll have to play. They won't be able to kind of just relax as they have in some of these first round series um, over the past few years or even second round series. Um, And that's going to be really interesting. Um, But I wanted to ask you, Chris, so what would worry, which team would worry you more? So the, the, the Philadelphia 76ers, and let's assume Embiid comes back, or Boston if Kyrie had been whatever he was before he had the surgery, whether he was 75%, 80% healthy, which of those teams would have would scare you more hypothetically in the in the Eastern Conference Finals or wherever that it would be that the Cavs played them in the playoffs? Mm. I want to say, like my my brain right now is telling me Philly, but. Uh... A fully, a fully healthy Boston team with the defense, with with the, the advantage Boston probably have a point guard. Um, that's pretty threatening. I don't think they have anyone to guard LeBron though, and not that Philly does, but like they have Embiid, and like that's going to deter some LeBron stuff. And and Simmons, and they're just more athletic and, and maybe more dynamic than Boston is because the Boston offense is not good. Like it's just no, it's it's, it's bad, and th- that makes me want to say Philly just because of like the 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 potential in them. But um, yeah. 
I, I will say, like, this all makes me think that, and this is looking, like, too far, maybe too far ahead because, like, we can't evaluate Eastern Conference until we know next year, until we know what LeBron's doing and where he's playing. But I think this is only going to get harder, right? Like, Boston, they're going to get Hayward back. Um, you're going to hear them as the team that's, like, Kawhi and Anthony Davis and all these other very good players. Right. And, and Tatum and Brown are only going to get better. Um Philly's only going to get better, assuming Embiid stays healthy, assuming Ben Simmons figures out how to shoot. They're going to get more lotto picks in the years to come. Markel Fultz is probably going to end up being pretty good based on what we've seen yep. so far. You know, next year, Washington, maybe Washington is as much of a tire fire. Um, you know, maybe Toronto keeps this up. This is not going to remain a, a easy conference. Like, I think the, the day, it feels very much to me that the days of the Eastern Conference being this cakewalk at the, through the playoffs and maybe it's not as deep as the West. I don't, you know, it seems like we're very far away from having the craziness and the and the not and the, just the nutsoness of that playoff race. We're years away from that happening in the East because you need teams like the Hornets, the Pistons, the Knicks. Like the Knicks have won twenty eight games, or the are the and they're the eleventh best team in the East. That's <laughs> terrible. That's utterly it's terrible. So bad. Um, we're all, we're very far away from having the West type of chaos in the East. But if next year. Let's say Philly is really good again. Boston's back fully healthy with Kyrie, with Gordon Hayward, and let's say without even anybody else, they're going to be better. Toronto, you could maybe think has another good year with this core until, and maybe they're not as good, but still very good. What if Milwaukee figures it out this summer? What if what if they get the right coach that just unlocks Giannis and makes them and unlocks Middleton and unlocks all the very good solid players they have and unlocks them? And let's say LeBron stays and they don't make any significant changes because they just can't, and they're relying on let's say like Michael Porter. Um, who give you a, another Mizzou guy to root for, or <laughs> Michael Porter the goat? Yeah. yeah, the goat if his back's good. Um, like they were like <laughs> the, their big acquisition is this rookie, and it's LeBron right. and and Kevin again, and the similar crew that they have right now. It's only going to get harder from here, and I think this is like not like this is a tease for what the unless they could do another major overhaul, get Paul George, get Kawhi, get just something crazy that just seems out of out of place right now. This run of playoffs, to me, seems like it could be a preview of what's going to be facing LeBron when he's 34, 35, 36. Assuming he stayed in Cleveland. That next run of his career, the East is only going to get better, assuming all these things break right for teams, and not all of it will. Some other unexpected stuff will happen, because that's how this works, but it just seems like the East is not going to be the cakewalk it has been for him the last couple years, because he seems, especially like a team like Philly, is just getting too good. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, even just thinking next year of just Boston and Philly, and like you said, even if Boston doesn't add anyone of consequence, but they just get Gordon Hayward back and Kyrie back, and and like you said, another year of of Tatum and Brown to improve, and then you look at Philly with like year two of Simmons, <laughs> who's he's already unbelievable, and he, then year two he, of him, he and does things that I just um I I just can't fathom, like having him and Embiid. It's like it's like unfair that him and Embiid, like the process worth it just for those two guys alone. Like the like oh, the, the jaw thing, completely a bad pick. You know the full test does have to prove it, even if he's looked good since coming back. But just those two guys alone, incredible. Yep. So you know, yeah, this is obviously with the uh, caveat that they're all healthy. But I mean, y- you have that team with another year of those guys, and and Fultz kind of in the mix as well. And those two teams are going to be pretty; <laughs> they're going to be very good next year. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, the East is at least towards the top, um, continues to bump more teams up into very good instead of we're sort of at the point now where. Boston and Toronto and Philly kind of exist in this category a little bit below the Cavs, um, but that's that's changing really quick. So, yeah, I mean, this might be the last season of 
guys at the beginning of the year saying it's Kev, the finals, no doubt. And, you know, who knows if that, who knows, I think that will happen again, but it's, it's not as a um, sure thing as it, as it's been the past three years. So um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really the, the Kyrie thing just coming full circle. Kyrie leaving has completely changed the landscape of both the Celtics in the East and then the Cavs trajectory, because, you know, if he had resigned or, um, whatever stayed with this team for you know through they kept this core of him Kevin and LeBron together for the next three four years with as young as Kyrie was um, you always sort of felt like they were going to have the three best players on one team in the east now maybe eventually you could argue that for Philly but I don't think any time if, if the Cavs had kept the Kyrie I don't think um, that argument would be able to be made quite you know not for another few years at least um, but without Kyrie it just changes. It's just changed so much. And it's just such a, it was so shocking at the time. And it's, it's even just, it's just, it's just weird to think about what a kind of how that shifted everything in the Eastern conference, because uh, it's just, you don't fully know with the Cavs now kind of moving forward because his loss is such a, there's such a big loss. Um, and whether or not LeBron can keep up this caliber of play, like I'm not going to bet, bet against him anymore. Like he probably can, but you just don't know as he continues to creep to his mid thirties, you just don't know how much longer it's going to last. And um, it's going to be really fascinating these next few years to see how the East kind of transforms and where the Cavs fit um, in all of that. On that note, when you look at this roster, when you look at the, what these guys have to prove, what they have to do, I mean, just, we're going to do it. I think inevitably we're going to be evaluating guys like hood guys like Nance, the guys like Clarkson, who we haven't even talked about They're oh, yeah. in, in Hill. This is the group that LeBron has to buy into to next year. I mean, like there, there is more flexibility now than what they would have had pre deadline. I think Kobe Altman deserves credit for, for that, but this is a group that he has to like see something. And I, I think, and I don't know, like his, 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 his decision is so far away at this point. Like we're three months away from, from ish or whatever, from, from when he's going to make his decision for next year and, and maybe for the rest of his career. But like, do you feel like this is the, the, like the referendum on what his, what his Cavs team is going to look like? And yes, they could make moves this summer. There's just, they have that Nets pick and, and we're not going to know what they're going to do with that until we get so we see where it falls in the draft, how much value it actually has. So a lot of this is still in flux and the playoffs, of course, have to, if they may, if they win the finals, like that's the best argument they can make. But does, does, does this feel into you? Like there, these guys have to prove something. And this is, this is their audition for, to some degree for this thing. Okay. LeBron, this is, this is, we're going to be part of your posse and your team for the next couple of years. Does it feel as if that, like, this is the, the test case for guys like hood Clarkson, Nance, Tristan to some extent because he could get traded this summer if he, and, and whatnot. Does it feel like this is the audition for next year to some degree as much as it is them trying to win right now? It just feels like there's a balancing act there to you. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I think just for it's interesting because I think with both Nance and Hood, at least these are two guys that have kind of been under the under the radar in their respective careers so far, like Nance in L.A. and especially Rodney Hood in Utah because. Like, the conversation around Rodney has been, he can be really good, but, and there's always that but. And it kind of feels similar with Larry Nance, where when the idea of him playing with LeBron kind of came up and you saw the potential of it early on, you're like, oh, okay, this, he's actually a great fit with LeBron. 
And then there's the but of, okay, well, he appears to be injured or he kind of, you know, teams kind of figured out him and LeBron on film and have made adjustments and he hasn't really figured out how to adjust back. So for those guys, I think not only just to like moving forward on the Cavs with LeBron, but just in terms of themselves and trying to prove themselves, I think that like that's a big deal, especially to a Rodney Hood who... Um, you heard sort of rumors that he was unhappy in Utah because he didn't really feel like he was getting the respect from the team that he deserved. And he kind of felt like he was just another one of the guys instead of one of the, the featured guys alongside a, a, Gordon, a Gordon Hayward and alongside George Hill when they were kind of at their peak um, there in Utah. He sort of felt like the just another role player instead of the kind of caliber of player he thought he can be. And, part, and a lot of that's on him. He just he was inconsistent there. Um, but you see flashes of like, damn, Rodney Hood could be really good. He's, he's quick, he's tall, like he can switch on defense. He can, he can put the ball on the floor. He's got that nice little floater in the lane that he seems to be very fond of. He can drive in and hit that with guys in his face. He can hit the three. Like he, he has a lot about his game that you like a lot, and you kind of see like why he's so enticing. But that's a lot of players in the NBA. You know, That's kind of like what Jeff Green's first half of the season was. <laughs> You're looking at Jeff Green like, why – has this guy been on so many teams in his career? And then you, you know, he falls off for months at a time and, and you see exactly why. So it's, um, yeah, it's just really interesting. I think both for those guys and to be like, yeah, LeBron stay play with us. We can make this. We're younger. Um, we're quicker. Like we're going to grow. We're going to grow with you. Like it'll be fun playing with us for the next few years, but also just for them, like for Nance and for hood, for guys that I think have felt sort of, marginalized a little bit in their previous stops where you know when you're playing with LeBron like you're going to get that attention and you're going to get that limelight um, and I imagine that's something that they want instead of being especially for Rodney who's in Utah you know where <laughs> people don't really you're not getting a lot of national television games you're not getting a lot of attention um, and even for Nance who was on just bad Lakers teams so um, I think it's twofold for them um, you know, Hill is what he is. He's been around for, for a long time. So, um, I think like his career is already sort of solidified. And I think LeBron has already expressed how he feels about hood having played against him, um, in some really big games when he was with the heat and, and Hill was with the finals. So like, or excuse me, uh, with the Pacers playing in the Eastern conference finals. So I think for the two younger guys, um, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a big deal for them for sure. I feel like this is going to, like a lot like Nance I mean Nance and Hood have contract stuff coming up Hood I think like Hood this if Hood wants a lot of money from the Cavs and restricted free agent like this is when he has to earn it um I think Clarkson can really cement like if they if they feel like Clarkson's really good playoffs maybe that cements him to some degree this is also in flux the Cavs are never ever boring <laughs> the Cavs no, never the Cavs are literally just always just have a lot going on I I keep saying this to people it feels like a bajillion lifetime ago a bajillion years ago three billion lifetimes ago to be like super dramatic about it that isaiah thomas was a cavalier and that like lebron jumped past him against the wolves the day before they traded him like that feels like it doesn't even feel like it was this season no it does not and it's, it's crazy that that happened in the same context of like what we're talking about now and setting everything up but i <laughs> i have literally no idea what's going to happen and that that's a new feeling in itself and i'm very curious to see how it does play out um but Jordan, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Read read Jordan's story. You can find it in the show notes. It is about how 
Cavs players react to LeBron. It is called the newest Cavs share their holy shit LeBron moments. It is at Bleacher Report. And you can read it in the show notes. Jordan, thank you so much. And find find him on Twitter at Cleveland Zerm as well. Find me out in these Twitter streets. Oh, wait, real quick. Who are LeBron's taking yeah. number one? I have to, if I'm if I'm having you here, who are they, are they, who are they taking number it's, one? I mean, it's got it's it's got to be Sam Darnold. If it's not Sam Darnold, I will. Um, that's not true. It, if it's if it's Josh Allen, you won't hear from me for a while. I'm just gonna go away. Um, I'm just gonna go. A lot away of Mizzou, a lot of Mizzou football tweets. Yeah, I'm strictly becoming a Mizzou football fan. The account's gonna, my followers are gonna have no idea what's going on. Um, it's got to be Sam Darnold. It just has to be, and that's I, that's the point I'm at. Um, and I'm not. I, what there's less than 20 days now, I think, until the draft. So I'm. Um, that's where I'm at, and I'm going to be very dismayed if he is not the choice at number one so i already i'm i already know i'm setting myself up for disappointment and i i understand this but um that's what i want that's what i want chris and i and i hope it happens look as a as a cleveland sports fan um that's just that's just life to some degree but it's been locked on calves go on itunes five star ratings and reviews and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another new episode talk to you then cheers